0: Okay, so Drew has put us up to talking about how the Bible influences agriculture <laughs> and vice versa, potentially vice versa. Uh, well, let's see how
1: it goes. Our agriculture okay. should
0: be an interesting conversation. You might have a lot of thoughts on. We'd love to hear your thoughts via email, on social media. Just let us know if you see us in person. Feel free to chime in.
1: Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life and our I Bought a Homestead Now What podcast. I'm Lacey, and I'm Drew homestead health and
0: business strategist. And between us, we have nearly 40 years experience in homesteading, parenting, and holistic living. We love helping people live more sufficient, deeply rooted, and satisfyingly connected lives.
1: Two to three times per month, we post a new podcast on Wednesdays that will inspire, ease, and answer questions about this lifestyle you may not even know to ask.
0: People and homestead strategy clients ask us all the time how, why, and what to do to make their homestead less chaotic more efficient, and mostly more peaceful. The lessons we've learned, the training we've had, and our strategic approach will help you skip steps and find more ease in your homesteading journey.
1: Did you hear something you like? Did you learn something new? Please share with a friend or on social. Tag us at The Schoolhouse Life, and we will be thrilled to share and connect. Your shares, encouragement, and even questions are what keep us going. Thank you.
0: Okay, so Drew has this assignment, and he is to speak on... Judaism and agriculture and where those two things intersect and for me I think you know I'm not really sure where he's going to go with it It's totally his <laughs> his thing but he said let's do a podcast on this and I think for me it starts I mean just to go ahead and get started yeah and please, I'll, I'll pretty please much do. Please do. I'll probably say this and then you're going to talk the rest of the time I doubt it but in my opinion you know if you don't know our story of faith is that we were both raised in a religious Christian atmosphere and um, when we met each other we were drawn to each other's spirituality and Drew already at that time was embracing some of the um, culturally Jewish things that were found in the, the scriptures and you know sort of slowly but surely we fell in love with plants and also wanted to incorporate our our experience of what the scriptures say in a really tangible and physical way. And there's so many laws and festivals and um, celebrations to do with agriculture that it it feels like that was really what called us to the homestead at all. That's what called us to the life of gardening and what called us to the life of, of um, really trying to base our lives around the seasons of nature. But, you know, that also is, obviously perfectly aligned with the cycles that are talked about through the scripture and, and those those rules and regulations and um, if you've listened to the podcast for a while you know we celebrated the Shemitah year which is a,
1: a year off that was back in 2020
0: mm-hmm. I think it was 2020 to 21 20 something 21 to 22 I don't know anyway it's hard to keep track of because the Jewish year actually starts uh, based on agriculture at in the fall so you're harvesting and that's your new year right like there's and that correlates actually two new years in, in,
1: really in judaism
0: <laughs> um but that's the that's the agricultural new year and so um that's when that started and ended so we went from like an october ish to an october ish of not tilling not planting not growing um not um
1: not pruning, putting, not putting away a harvest.
0: Yeah. Um. So that was a really neat experience, and we tried to do that in alignment with when they're also doing it in the land and a lot within Judaism. I think that the rule of thumb is generally, you know, this is meant for the promised land. Um, Andrew and I have our own thoughts on that. Maybe he'll get into it. But anyway, so that's just like when I think, how does how does um how do Judaism and agriculture intersect? I almost don't think that you can remove one from the other. Um, because the literal calendar is based on the moon and yeah. the su- and the sun simultaneously. Well, and I
1: think like the interesting thing about that is like you can't all you can't remove one from the other, but like so I just this is a little bit of a spoiler for my talk, but <laughs> I, um I just went in on we're in a, a group called Jewish Farmers, which is a worldwide group on Facebook, mm. and guess how many people are in that group? Five hundred? 1600 worldwide
0: oh that's more than i thought
1: yeah (laughs) but that's tiny compared to like my regenerative grazing group that's like a hundred thousand you know like oh my gosh you know like to think about it like in that Mm -hmm. realm of like
0: and listen i mean the group is pretty extensive i mean the truth is like if you know another jewish farmer we pretty much know them yeah (laughs) yeah So
1: so it's just got me on this, like, thought of, like, how within Judaism did we get to that point? And then it just had me, like, pondering other religions and other, like. Well, there
0: is a whole historical, like, the removal of Jews from the land, the removal of the Jewish people from. Yeah, I mean, there is, like, a whole moving them into cities. Yeah, I mean, there's, like. I yeah, think we followed that timeline before
1: and there is a very real there's like a physical like somebody in the group i asked like so you know i was just like curious like what do people think What, where did this come from and you know one lady said that she she's been taught that like when she was a child and asked why are there no jewish farmers it's because of kind of like what you said they you know all the way back to the assyrians they mm-hmm. were growing farms and then they were taken away mm-hmm. and then babylonian and all these, it'd be really times. frustrating
0: to put all your energies. I mean, even thinking about leaving the property we're on, right? You know, which we've even talked about, like, there's kind of some development going on around us, and it's like, well, you know, <laughs> at what point do we leave? It's like, can we ever leave? You know, like, there's just you've dug your roots almost in as much as the trees have, and to uproot and move would be very traumatic. And so, so then
1: you're you someone comes in and forces and then if so, leave. yeah, exactly. And then that yeah. happens. Are you over going to do it over. again?
0: It's like, shoot, yeah. no, I'm not starting. Because I think about
1: again. like fiddler on the roof, like right. you know that that's like you know my favorite <laughs> Jewish <laughs> agricultural <laughs> example. <laughs> you know, at that point, I'm just going to sing in the background. Yeah, no, don't. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, there's still an agri... You know, if we're taking that as like uh, full truth value, there still agriculturally based, right? But then. You know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with like the Holocaust, moving to America. You know, somebody pointed out, well, there's lots of Jewish farmers in Israel, but there's not outside of Israel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, there's like a whole. Well, lot that was the notes.
0: effort, I think, to start with Israel. You know, in the 40s, was we need to, we need to plant this land. We need to, we need. I mean, it was a concerted effort to turn that into land that was producing
1: turn it into the land that it was promised to be right and that's another thought of with all the
0: kibbutzim and all you know all the the it was a joint effort and the the government was like promoting that and encouraging that in a way that i don't think that
1: happens anywhere
0: outside of israel within the jewish community
1: right and i mean ultimately the promise is a land flowing with milk and honey
0: I will like, say I just read the other day that the honey would have been like date honey, not bee honey. I just thought that was interesting. Anyway, I'm, I'm okay with that. The side sidebar. How do you
1: make date honey? You squeeze, squeeze dates. Them. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna try that. But even that, yeah, you like make milk, you squeeze. Even them. that promise is based, like the ultimate promise to the people of the book. You know, kind of of all of the religions that follow the. The Bible is a land flowing with milk and honey, mm-hmm. which is like an agricultural promise. It's not like skyscrapers and
0: of da- abundance, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, like I yeah. don't know, whatever, and private jets, yeah, whatever mm-hmm. you want to fill in, yeah, Lamborghinis and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a big mansion. Like it's that you'll have milk and date honey, in, or <laughs> in on a land that's yours.
0: Well, you know what's interesting because we have talked about this before. Like to leave here. To go anywhere like if I ever was going to leave here it had to be to somewhere where it was like already growing it was already ready right. already like I walked in and I started picking stuff
1: yeah well it, it that's like, <laughs> which it, is
0: what the promised land was when they left Egypt
1: but and it has yeah. me like thinking okay so like they were slaves in Egypt Egypt they were Egyptians mm-hmm. they were uh people that were not agricultural they were like uh, Egypt was like an urban setting at that
0: Mm-hmm. They then, didn't know what to do. Well, that's right. and that's why the Bible tells you, I think, because forced, they didn't know what to do. Forced
1: through the desert. Well, I just it, read this quote yeah. on
0: the back of Guy's Garden. The world didn't come with an operating manual, so it's a good thing that some wise people have, from time to time, written them. And I'm like, well, wait, it does, but <laughs> at that point, they didn't have one, so their Guy's Garden was God on the mountain telling Moses, "This is how you do it."
1: Right. Like, eat these animals and don't eat these animals, or
0: plant here and not here yeah you know build your buildings here and not here
1: but what's interesting to me is like every and like you said what attracts me to like every aspect of it is it's like plant barley and in the spring you'll harvest it but when you harvest it then it'll be passover and you'll have a celebration Mm -hmm. or plant uh wheat and when you harvest it then you'll have a celebration like Well, even
0: within the context of like the sacrificial system, which, you know, we obviously are not able to, to do or, you know, is that even an option? No, but but within the context of that, like for there to be a rule that says, you know, every week you sacrifice this this lamb and this bird and this grain means you have all of that. And it's like a promise within this like requirement, which I think I've never really thought of that before. But it's like if you don't have a lamb, you can't sacrifice it. But if he's asking for something, he's also assuring at the same time you'll have it, which I think is a really.
1: Well, and there's like there's like uh, contingencies, like if you don't have a lamb, you can bring a bird. If you don't have a bird, bring oil or grain, you know, like it it does like kind of dial it back based on your budget, essentially.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. But I mean, still like the idea, I think, for a slave coming out of Egypt who had nothing. So then him, then it be said, this, do this. Like it almost is unbelievable, you know, For in my, you know, I don't know. Anyway, the context of that, I've never really explored. It is
1: interesting to think about because they do petition that they can take their livestock with them originally when they're getting ready to leave Mm -hmm. Egypt. So they they had to. Well, I
0: think by definition, slavery, I think even, you know, even in today's world, modern society, we were talking about this with the kids is what does slavery mean and i think we have this really uh we have this really specific vision because you know we we have in our american history in, you know the african-american enslavement period which was also like a 400 year period what did that look like and i think in our minds we really have that image as our what does slavery look like yeah but i think the question is in what way are we slaves now and and compared to, to that, obviously, it's much, much different in comparison with what was happening in Egypt. And I think, honestly, we're very similar in a lot of ways to what was happening in Egypt because the people didn't necessarily even want to go. There were a lot of people who opted out, <laughs> a lot of people who died in Egypt because they said, yeah, no, I'm good.
1: Well, what was that we were reading in the commentary is that the, the generation in Egypt, the, the Israelites mm-hmm. in Egypt were, like the rabbis say, were the like, Lowly, lowly list of um spiritualness essentially like they were hovering around like kind of the worst character for Mm -hmm. like what there could be Mm -hmm. at that time and um i just think that that's interesting also is like as the they grew and as they got came into the desert their spiritualness grew but then also the amount of agriculture and things that they where they started participating in also kept growing with that. I don't
0: know. Mm. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because if you start talking about like the mysticism within Judaism, a lot of it has to do with, you know, how even the stars and the moon and some of these things that feel, you know, I don't know what the word is mystical. I mean, it's really the best word for it. Um, You start taking those into consideration. And when you think about gardening, you know, a lot of people, folks take into account the moon cycles and some take in astrology and some take in both. And I think that... Shout
1: out to Terry. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right, Terry. We're listening. We do. We try. Um, and then you've got like this whole biodynamic thing, which is trying, you know, it's even almost a little uh, a little bit further, out, a little bit harder, like taking into all those things into account. And I think Judaism ultimately, and in the with the moon calendar based on the sun calendar. Like I think those two are harmonious and we don't fully grasp them, but the world is always trying to. And within agriculture, especially because you can see that influence almost really directly. Um, But it can be difficult for us to put it into words in a, in a physical, tangible way uh, what all that means. And I think that the scripture tries and, when you're in tune with your religious side you realize there's more that you don't necessarily understand but that doesn't make it untrue um in gardening and you know just your spiritual side and all of that so i don't know it's just like this added layer of okay well the bible does say some about that and maybe we don't understand the full depth of it but it is in there and um when you start gardening you start to realize how there's so much more at play than just a seed in the dirt and, and that it's somewhat out of your control. And all you can do is your best to try to experience that and, and ha- be a participant in
1: all of that. Yeah. Cause like, I was also thinking about like, you know, it's like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's like a, I, I don't know if you would call it a commandment, but a verse that says like, when you plant your grapevines, you know, mm-hmm. you'll wait to to um, harvest from them. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say like if you happen to have a grapevine, it's yeah. like if you plant or when, when you plant the grapevine or like when you plant the wheat or when you're harvesting the wheat, it's almost like you can flip it to say like it's almost like a commandment. Right. To have those things. And then like it, it just kind of got me thinking like, okay, like there's like the uh, physical element to that, but what's the spiritual element to having a grapevine? What's the the esoteric, I, I guess? Or well, the,
0: here's like the, this yeah. interesting idea of, okay, you have the slaves leaving Egypt where they didn't get to do those things, right? They, they maybe had livestock, but they weren't, you know, they didn't know how to yeah. plant, harvest, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so in order to go into the promised land, I mean, they had manna coming from the heaven. So they were fed, but there's a difference between manna just coming down and you participating in the process of planting this grape and watching what happens. And isn't there like a spiritual element? And then it? it's almost like a uh the fullness of not being a slave anymore is being a participant in that and those things and having responsibility in that process. And is that also like I see now when we were talking about Egyptian slavery versus um you know modern society enslavement, I think there's a very similar correlation there of like people now are so separate from the process of of participating in the earth's natural processes in the in the these very simple but so complex things, and we have drawn ourselves out of it in order to have a simpler life where you know we're more comfortable and but in doing that, in releasing those things and not participating in those things, are we then not enslaved in a way that we don't have the fullness of life experience in much the same way the Israelites were experiencing at the time of slavery in Egypt? And they were, you know, comfortable in a lot of ways, so comfortable that they, you know, they didn't cry out. And then finally they did. And when they did, God heard them. You know, it's like, we're like, oh, man, how did he leave them in four, for 400 years in slavery? It's like, well, they didn't cry out. And then finally they did and, and God heard them. So I don't know. It's just really interesting because I've been thinking and I, you know, I see people suffering, you know, and not feeling connected and, and children especially feeling less and less like they know their place um, in society and the world and, um, and looking for that, seeking that and, you know, electronics and games and um, in virtual reality and, is that not enslavement in a, you know, in Well, the same it's way?
1: interesting because you said complicated and complex and like, does that's kind of what has happened with our society is we've gone from a complex set of rules and participation in nature where we can't explain everything. There's not mm. like a, there's not like a, machine that we can take apart and say here this it, is the part this that goes is here this and, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. nature is so complex that we have no idea we still still they're like every day discovering new new ways that nature works and heals and communicates mm-hmm. and all that but we've gone from that to a complicated world where or a simple world yeah but complicated in the way of like you know machines and you know, like everything that can kind of be explained is what people tend to have tended, or society has tended to go well, towards. Well, even
0: the whole like industrial meat complex thing that's happening right now to right. synthesize meat you're trying yeah. to ta- you're trying to break something, something live a living something complex
1: and turn it into complicated
0: and distill it down into you know three hundred different random ingredients. It's just you can't. I mean. We just yeah. can't even know what the repercussions of trying to simplify something so complex will be. And I think we are living out. What does it take to, you know, when you extract humans from living in nature, what happens? Well, you get the mess that we're dealing with in the ecosystem right now. Right. I don't know. It's just, it's a, yeah, it's the, there's pretty deep. <laughs>
1: yeah. So bringing it uh, like all the way back to like scripture, it's like, To me, it's like the whole point of all of those rules and laws is to, like, maintain that connection with the land to maintain that um, connection to the sublime, to the divine. And the more that we say, like, that rule is for somebody else or that rule can only be done here or there Mm -hmm. instead of like. How can we participate in that in a way that um maybe makes us uncomfortable but there's something to be experienced within that Mm -hmm. well
0: in this section of the scripture we were reading this week was the final three plagues i guess and i talked a lot about in some of the studying that we were doing there's a lot of talk about how you know why why did god have to do these terrible things and if you've ever studied, you know that a lot of the specific flags had to do with specific things in Egypt that they, the gods that they had, that they thought controlled nature. And they hadn't seen or experienced mir- miracles up until that point. And they hadn't, uh, even the Israelites were not really aware of the power of God. Um, and all of a sudden, They have these very real tangible experiences where God is saying, I'm going to do this and then he does it and he completely controls nature, like every element Mm -hmm. Um, in a really direct way to make it so clear that, you know, I'm not just a like out here kind of watching what happens. I'm a participant and I'm and I'm making things happen and I'm in complete control of what every everything that's happening in a much different way than you you might be able to conjure up some kind of a um, experience with these other gods of Egypt. Um, And I just think it's really, there was a lot of hope in that because I think, you know, we tend to think of, we hear a lot of the news, the climate change, the, oh, it's all falling apart. Oh, there's nothing we can do. And not to say we shouldn't do anything. I Absolutely. Obviously, hopefully with my life's goals and missions have made it clear. I think we should be doing our very best, but, um, At the same time, at any moment, the creator of this planet and this world can come in and say, you know, essentially wipe it clean is what sort of happened. Yeah, I don't know. There was a lot of hope for me in that because I think that we we tend to think, oh, it's completely on us. And yes, I do think that we should be learning and doing better. But I think that the Bible specifically tells us how to do those things better. And we have eliminated the need for those explanations or at least a desire we've we've we think we're smarter than that i think mm-hmm. is what what it feels like with modern industry um modern industrial farming obviously it's creating it's creating a like no no man's land
1: right a place yeah.
0: where and thinking we can do better than god we're creating a place where we can't live
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well, we've created, essentially, we've created our own God, which is technology in some ways. Like, And yeah. I, I don't know, Like, it, it's difficult because I, I love technology and I think there's a there's room for technology. It's just we've replaced God with that. Especially with, like, who knows with the rise of AI, where, where mm-hmm. we're you going. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you, I love using AI for certain things right now mm-hmm. and I think it's a great tool, but
0: It's interesting because I think over the course of time, I thought, oh, man, those Amish, they're so extreme. I'm like, maybe maybe they had it right. Maybe maybe (laughs) the Amish were right. Maybe the Amish just had the the wisdom to resist. I don't know. Maybe not.
1: Who knows? Yeah. It's interesting because another answer within the um, Jewish farmers group of why Judaism got to where it was was because of the lack of ability of community. Mm. Was another reason, which I just thought was
0: a lack of an ability of community. Can you translate? Yeah.
1: So Judaism, for people that don't know, really thrives a lot on like kind of like a circumference around a synagogue. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) for people that don't know, unlike Christianity or other religions, there's not necessarily one on every corner. You know, it's like there's one synagogue in a city and that's it. So it's like, um, ideally, ideally, hopefully. I mean, some people within like some of these farming networks have said, you know, they drive like two hours to their synagogue.
0: Well, we get the question a lot: like, how can I be within walking distance of a synagogue? Right, and also on a farm, yeah. and it's not not really possible. But when they set up the towns in the in the promised land, the idea was you create the synagogue in the center, and then literally it's like concentric. Concentric circles around that, so that it maintains its ability to be able to like walk on a on a Sabbath day to the synagogue and and worship. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting how yeah we're definitely not in that space right
1: now. No, and I mean I feel like yeah even there were other cultures that built in
0: circles. I remember learning yeah it was like the the Mayans would do it in South America. Yeah, they were like it was a very scriptural way of living actually, and it was so interesting because they would move it every they would build a circle. And they would live there. And then in the seventh year, they would move a circle over. And then every 49 years they'd come back to the place where they were. And it you know.
1: But within that, it was like wagon wheeled. And yeah. they would like burn part of the forest.
0: And they had like
1: various <laughs> secessions of burning the forest. And then the forest turning into like cropland. So they would like go around this circle mm-hmm. so that they would have like by the end of it they were growing in this cropland, but they kept like, yeah, anyway, spreading
0: it. It just makes you wonder, like
1: But yeah, I mean I think I just it had me thinking like another kind of issue with the I don't know, degradation of connection between agriculture and scripture is the challenge of community because mm. you can't like for a lot of people, I mean we meet a lot of homesteaders that are lonely across all faiths you know Mm -hmm. they're like you know i just want somebody else to be able to talk to somebody else to work with and Mm. all the times are all the time people are like hey if we could just share tools and work together and you know all of that um it just to me it it just points out like how much scripture is based on the idea of having community, and uh i
0: know that's well it's interesting (laughs) (laughs)
1: lacy's gonna Talk well, about her dream of a community.
0: <laughs> I it's almost like one of those things where uh, it's too late now. Cause you know too you, old you, no one would help me. So now I'm like, whatever.
1: Done. <laughs> it's
0: too late. I'm too old. No. You just I, had I a think, bunch of kids and yeah. made our own community. Yeah. Um just for so many years I've said let's go in with people, let's move on to the same property it doesn't have to be a lot we can be in the same neighborhood even you know i and and everybody's sort of like yeah okay i'm gonna do my own thing and you know i get it that's the society we live in um and now i think in recent years people have been much more like how do we move together how do we live together and i'm just past the point of wanting to figure it
1: out well i was telling somebody the other day it was um when we found we found that one property and we were like oh we posted on Facebook that we had this property and then like it went from like kind of this exciting thing to then you started getting messages from people being like well don't let that person Mm. or don't don't (laughs) do you know about this person and it was like oh man this is turning ugly really fast (laughs) and like I don't want to be a part of this and maybe in our younger years but at this point I was just like oh it's gonna be like a whole like how do people get along (laughs) because And you know, within Scripture, there's a lot of within rules every about,
0: community. There's yeah. always, you know, everybody doesn't get along all the time. Yeah, I'm kind of okay with that. I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what, it is what it is. And I do think that things work out how they're supposed to in the end with the right people and and everything. So you know, that's a whole, like a whole conversation. Right,
1: that's a whole another one.
0: But <laughs> um, but I do think that you know most of the commandments are meant to be d- done as a group it's not like an individual commandment so um within judaism i think it's important that, yeah and i think there's a you know just like in every community i think there's a new movement of people who are excited about returning to that heritage um and i think again that's across the board across all religions people are trying to get back to like what was these valuable things that we Just set aside for the sake of pursuing, you know, I don't know if it was success or ease or, you know, I'm not really sure. Um,
1: Do you think some of it is just also, though, because our food has gone to where it's gone? Like now people are like, you know, I really don't want to eat that garbage. So like,
0: oh, yeah, like, well, I think, too, it started because of convenience foods you're like, oh, I don't have to grow it because I can just get it at the store super cheaper than I can grow it.
1: Right. So it's not that easy. was like, yeah. I think, a
0: huge push of people being like, ah, why would I grow this if I can? Just people doing the math, right?
1: Yeah. And then there was like our generation mm-hmm. that like I remember my mom having like the TV dinners and she's like, isn't this fantastic? Mm-hmm. You pop it in the microwave and it comes mm-hmm. out. and We're all like, this is great. Oh, it's yeah. all like individually sorted out and everything, you know, like. <laughs> and then like now we're like, we don't what want any of that. We don't yeah. have a microwave. We don't want, like, yeah. yeah. It's it's an interesting, like.
0: Well, uh, everything, you know, that's new. There has, there's this trial period where you're like, yeah, I'll try it. Why not? That'd be fun. And then you see the impact and the impact isn't good. And so, you know, I, I think they had to play out. It's like the butter versus margarine thing. You know, I think we watched that play out and now everybody's like, yeah. Oh, no it's a bad idea. maybe we shouldn't have done that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so yeah i mean uh, it's interesting
1: yeah well that's all i mean <laughs> i feel like we could talk about this forever but i'd love we to have hear made no
0: conclusions yeah
1: no conclusions at all there's no
0: results from this there's just a really conversation.
1: No, no right no wrong let us know your thoughts um uh, yeah send us messages on all the different ways share <laughs> this with
0: somebody who likes to contemplate yeah for somebody who doesn't, I this this our oldest, Naomi, is going to be really mad about this podcast. Yeah. She hates this kind of
1: conversation. She wants a solid conclusion. And if you know somebody like that, send them this so that they can have not a solid conclusion. Not a solid conclusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening.